Exodus 13 and verse 3 says, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. There shall be no leavened bread be eaten. There's a call to remembrance here for Israel. And the word remember gives the idea of what we know what remember is to call to mind. Call to mind how you were brought out of Egypt, Moses says, and from this day when we go forth from here on in, he says, there will be no more uh, leaven in your bread. Leaven speaks in the scriptures mainly, almost all times, of false doctrine. It speaks of anything that's to do with sin. And Moses says there's a life to be lived before God. Be in remembrance of it and what he's done for you. The word here for remembrance or to remember, do you know, if you were to go to Genesis chapter 9, it's the first time the actual English word for remember is mentioned. And it's God saying, I will remember my covenant with the bow in the sky. It's the first time the English word remember is mentioned. In fact, memory serve me right, remember is mentioned 144 times in the Scripture. Remembereth is mentioned five times in Scripture. But the first time you'll read the word remember is in Genesis chapter 9. When the Lord says, I remember my covenant that I have made. Not that God forgets, but it gives us the assurance that God always has us before him. He'll not let us down. He'll always remember us. But this is the first time, right through from Genesis 9 to Exodus 13, you'll read of, and the Lord said, I remember, or the, the, the butler remembered Joseph, remember, he forgot him, then he remembers him coming out of the prison when Joseph interpreted his dreams, or someone remembered someone else. And you'll read of that, but this is the first time in Scripture you'll read of Israel being commanded to remember the Lord. How quickly we forget him. How quickly he goes out of our, our mindset. How quickly in a day he's somewhere as placed down the line, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, or never there at all. How quickly our minds tend to go on to other things, be focused on other people, and God is nowhere to be seen in it. Here Moses says to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt. Egypt, now there's a national aspect to this, and we could show you Britain's national aspect. It's where Britain needs to come out of the world system and out of Europe and those sort of things. But I want to make it simple this morning, just for a few moments. But here is a a personal aspect for you and I as the church, the body of Christ, as an individual Christian. Remember, Christian, God brought you out of Egypt. Egypt, spiritually speaking, reminds us or is a type of the world in which the Lord had brought you out of. The life of sin that you could not shake. In other words, it also speaks for those who didn't live a a dreadfully terrible worldly life like I did. 
It also gives the idea of the depraved nature of man and woman who have no hope, no will, no desire, no chance to save themselves, but for a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit who awakens them and quickens them to see the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, all of us have that nature of Adam. All of us are fallen, and so we're all brought out of Egypt. We're born and shaped in iniquity, and we're in Egypt. We're in a spiritual Egypt, and Pharaoh is like the devil and lording over us with his demonic cohorts of his armies. We're under his bondage. But Christ came to set us free. Christ came that we would be redeemed and that we would be saved. So first of all, we see salvation here for the Christian, for the man and the woman, for the whosoever will come. There's salvation for them. Moses says, remember this day, remember when God brought you out of Egypt. And what is wrong with so many of us is we forget our conversion to Christ. Sometimes it's so many years ago, our life trundles on and we forget what God has done for us. We forget the cross of Christ, his blood he shed for us. We forget where he's brought us from. We forget in our own minds and in our own hearts and we carry on in our own ways. We forget Christ. We forget that if he isn't central in all of ourselves, in all of our lives, in all of our home life, our church life, in our ministry, if Christ isn't central in our family and in our marriage, then everything else starts disintegrate. Society disintegrates because they'll put Christ out of society. And the Lord says here, remember the day you were saved, church. Then you have something to remember. Then you have something to stand for. And if you can't remember the day that you were saved, or you can't remember the time God drew you and spoken to, has spoken to you, you'll fall because you have nothing to stand on. I remember greatly the day that Christ saved me. I remember the day that he dealt with me under the sound of the gospel. I remember the day that I shook like a leaf and the sweat ran from me from head to toe and I was ringing with it and I shook and I cried like a baby and I was dropping to the floor and holding on to the furniture of the church. I remember the conviction of my heart and I remember the the depravity, the depths that I was in. I remember it, but sometimes I forget it. Sometimes I forget what Christ has done. The actual word here, remember, there's an old translation in the Aramaic, and it's, it gives the idea to pierce, as, a, as though to pierce a membrane. In other words, let it pierce your mind when you were saved. Let it pierce your mind and into your heart what Christ has done for us, that we may never, ever forget him. We may never forget in everything. Let, us, let it pierce us that we remember that he saved us by grace. And he saved us by the shedding of his own blood, the giving of his own precious life. Notice what it says. Remember you this day when you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. It was the Lord's doing and not your own. It's the Lord's doing that he brought us from the grip of Pharaoh. It's the Lord's doing that he brought us from the grip of the devil. It's the Lord's doing that he brought us from the grip of slavery and bondage to sin. 
It was his doing and not our own. And look at how grateful we should be and how grateful we ought to be, but we're not. Remember, he says, let it pierce your minds this morning and let it pierce your heart. Notice what it says. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. In other words, when you hear the gospel and the truth of God's word, you realize when you start to learn, when you start to hear that you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God and not of works lest any man should boast. And when you hear that it's through the precious blood of Christ alone that you can be washed and cleansed, there's no false doctrine, whether it's going to be other animal sacrifices or, or whether it's going to be whatever men are trying to purport today in the church that, that are going to say, well, we need to do this and we need to add here. We need to walk so many uh, miles on, on our bare feet and climb mountains and whip ourselves and wear hurry shirts that will let us to death. You know, all of these things, we need to make sure there's no unleavened bread or there's no leaven in the bread that is the bread of truth of the Word of God. We must remember that Christ done it when we were at our weakest and didn't know anything about the Word. So we can't add to it either. Nor can we add to salvation or anything else. So we are to walk with Him a consecrated life. Notice, first of all, we have salvation. Will you turn with me to Deuteronomy 15? Deuteronomy 15, please. Pardon me, 5 verse 15, I mean. 5 verse 15. Notice what the Lord says. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence with a mighty hand by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath. Another remembrance of the Lord is that you and I should keep the Sabbath. Turn with me again to Exodus chapter 20, please. Exodus chapter 20. Here's another call to remembrance. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The first one we read is salvation. What's next for the Christian is separation. Separation. Do you know why there's so many backsliders in Ulster today? Do you know why so many weak Christians, watery Faith Christians are in Ulster now. Do you want to know why? Because they have not stayed separate from the things of the world. And once we allow, even as the Catholic Church would call the venial sins, the little sins that don't really matter too much, once we allow that little foothold, then another one will take hold, and then another one will take hold, and then another one will take hold, and then another one, and they become a greater sin and a bigger sin until we have totally fallen in love with our sin and fallen out of love with Christ. And our hearts no longer are won by Him and overwhelmed by Him, nor overcome by Him. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is a separation. Notice 
something about this. Now, I could go on to the Sabbath day being the Saturday, and I could go on to the Lord's day being the Sunday, and there's a whole teaching around that, and I'm not getting into that because I want to keep this simple. But the Christian Sabbath, we call it that. Sabbath really means rest. And God in creation, this is the mirror, six days that the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh he rested. Notice it was the days, he didn't call it Sunday because there was no Sunday here at this point. He didn't call it Saturday because it wasn't Saturday. They were under different names, but we don't want to get into the whole teaching of it. But notice this. Remember again, is the same word. To let it pierce into us. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the day of rest. Remember God has set it apart and God has set it for you and for me. But then we say, well, then we can go and we can do our sports and we can go and we can uh, live how we like and we can go and we can... Uh, keep our feet up, but the rest isn't the rest for man to do man's thing. The rest is to rest in God. That's the idea of it. But Christ is our Sabbath. We don't need to keep that. Well, then let's look at it like this. Look at what it says in the next verses. Let's go, for example, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill, then thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness or lie against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. So if you're coveting your neighbor's wife, is that okay? Or if someone's sister covets your husband, is that okay? The answer is absolutely not. Get your eyes onto your own wife and onto your own husband. Here, is it okay to kill? Is it okay to commit adultery? Is it okay to steal? Because if we can cut out the Sabbath, then we can cut out the rest. Morally, these laws should be written on the heart who love Christ. I will write my law in the inward parts, the Lord said when he made the new covenant. He says, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And this should be written on every single heart. This should be written that we will walk in it and the Holy Spirit guides us in it. Thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. But after a while, we love him so much we don't want to do this and we don't want to do that. Notice he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In other words, the day, the seventh day as we use here or the the, the first day as we have uh, for Sunday because of the resurrection and the, they broke bread on the first day of the week and they laid up in store for the first day of the week in the new covenant, which is the Lord's day. Again, we'll not get into the argument about that. Notice this. On the day of rest, on the Christian Sabbath, we will say this, that in the first four commandments, this is the fourth of the ten commandments, on the first four, it's between you and God. It's between you and the Lord. This is the fourth commandment that's between you and God. The Lord says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. See, he's calling us to remembrance where all the time it was God saying, I remember, I remember, I remember. But yet we love it. We say, Lord, remember thy word. Remember thy covenant which thou made unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember thy covenant of the everlasting blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We like to remind God. But when God says, I want you to remember me, then we start to have a problem with it. He says, remember the Sabbath day. In other words, the Sabbath day, God's Sabbath or the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's day, it is to be set apart. Notice, to be kept holy. In other words, it's to be different than every other day. And you are to be set apart every day for him 
Here's separation, but every day, not only for him, but on a Sunday to gather together for him to be different. Listen, if the world sees your car at the door, Sunday morning, if the world sees your car at the door Sunday night, I thought Christians went to church on a Sunday. Brothers and sisters, I know this, these are all turned out well today, but I can say this, that when the outside world look at it, they see no separation. And they wonder, believe me, they wonder, what about them? What is the difference? God set apart this day that we would worship him and that we would be set apart for him and set apart from the world. Why do you think Britain's in a mess? Britain's in a mess because it never set apart the Lord's day in these recent years. Every day has become the same. You know what happens? We know there's emergency staff and we know there's security. We need all those to work and they have to do things. But there's people go to work when they don't have to. They go to work to make an extra few quid or to get double time or whatever you get, maybe triple time or whatever to get your overtime. And they do that on the Lord's day. Brothers and sisters, the Lord says you can labor six, but the seventh you're not to. And and now we find that Christians can't stand and say, I'm not working on a Sunday, then you don't get the job. I remember, personally speaking, I remember that Alice and I, and you might say this was very, uh, maybe it wasn't very mature or right for me to do, Carlos, but for a while, Alison and I were living on a tin of beans a day nearly. In fact, one time we had a tin of beans left between us. That's what we had. And every job I was going for, I was out of work because of an accident. I lost my job. And every job after my at heel was going for, they wanted me to work on the Lord's day. I said, no. He says, you'll not get the job. I says, then I'll not get the job. I'll do without and I'll trust him. And every time, whenever I felt that we were at our lowest ebb, something came and then work came. Brothers and sisters, what we have to remember is this. Christians now have become so world-pleasing that God has put out and he says, remember me. Remember me. I'm not legalistic because I mention this. I'm just saying what God's word says. Separation for the Christian is of the utmost importance to the Lord. He wants you to be different. He wants you to stand out different for him. Will you turn with me now to Numbers 15, please? I'm not going to go much longer. I've just, I could do weeks on these. These are just ones that are, I had just marked, I haven't brought a note with me because I knew we were going to be later. Verse 37 says, And the Lord spake on, Numbers 15, verse 37, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes in their borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they put upon the fringe of their borders a blue ribbon. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it And remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, that you seek not after your own heart, 
and your own eyes, after which to go a whoring. That's strong language from God. That ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Notice here sanctification. Here is a blue border representing the, 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 the skies in which Christ will return in, but representing God in his omnipresence. When you look at the blue sky tomorrow and you feel you're alone, remember God is omnipresent. He's everywhere on this earth that you go. When you look at the blue sky tomorrow, let it be like this blue ribbon around the borders of the garment. And remember the, uh, that your own heart and your own eyes are not what we're meant to be chasing after. We're meant to be sanctified, set apart for the use of God. We're meant to be different than those people in work. We're meant to be different than those people in the village and in the town and in the cities. We're meant to be different in our, in our ways and in our actions. We're meant to be different and we're meant to remember him. We're me- God is calling us because he knows our frame that we're but dust. He remembers that we're frail. And because he remembers that we are frail, he keeps having to come to Israel and he says, remember me, remember me, remember me, remember me, people. I have done this for you, remember me. I've chosen you, remember me. I've called you, remember me. You're mine, remember me. The church doesn't remember him. We're in the places of the world when they are breaking the Lord's day. We're not remembering him. He says here that you may look upon it at your own eyes, that you may look, seek not after your own eyes and your, on your own heart and your, well, your own eyes, after which you go a whoring. The Lord says, I know your heart. Let me tell you what God is saying here. And I don't want to be crude and I'm not being rude, but I need to put it in the strongest possible term that I can. God said to Israel, he could say it to Britain, but he could say it to many in the church. He says, you're like a whore to me. Keep your eyes on the things of me, he says, and not on other husbands. Israel went after other husbands, other gods, in other words. And what your heart is doing, he says, you're like a whore to me. Wow. I thank God for his grace on all of us today. I thank God for his mercy on all of us. One more, if I may. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. I have, I said, quite a number of these. You could do a study for a long time. Chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Why did you save me, Lord? Why did you call me out of Egypt? Why did you call us as a, a people? Verse 6, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Hey, 
Brothers and sisters, we hear all the time, everyone's the same. God has no favorites. Don't you hear that? What does the Word of God tell you? God says you're his favorite. God said, I set my love on you. Now, we don't know who else he's setting his love on out there, but in here, if you're saved and in Christ, he set his love on you. And he's called you to be special to him, a people unto himself. Notice verse 8, but the Lord, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Notice why he says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And he says, all through your generations, God has been faithful. Notice what he says then in verse 17. If I shall say in thine heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Lord, there's things that have come into my life and I don't know what to do with it. It's too strong for me. There's an overpowering uh, addiction coming into me. There's an overpowering death coming into me. There's an overpowering impossibility coming against me. I don't know what to do with it. Notice what he says. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but thou shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. You need to remember where he brought you from. You need to remember that he saved you when you're in your sin. He saved you from the depths of the poverty. He's brought you in. He loves you. He has kept you. But he wants you to walk right, consecrated before him, separated unto him. You're saved and you're redeemed with the blood of the Lamb. He says, remember the great temptations, he says in verse 19, which thine eyes saw and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand which the Lord, the Lord stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out, so shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Here he says this. He says, I want you to remember me in every situation. And let this pierce your mind. Let this pierce your heart. And if you walk with me, and if you talk with me, and you place your eyes on me, and you get yourself right with me, and you come back to follow me, and you put your heart right with me, and you give your heart back to me, and you don't fill your heart with those other things, he says, whatever's coming your way, he says, I am your Lord, I'm your God, who hath brought you out and redeemed you. Them that honor me, he says, I will honor. That's what he's telling us this morning. That's what he's saying. Chapter 8, notice what he says. Thou shalt remember, first two, all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. God sets before us a test this morning. Brother, sister, listen. God sets before you a test now. Herein is the test. Are you going to feel it? Because God is showing what is really in the heart I can honestly tell you this, and this isn't me trying to be hyper-spiritual, but as a pastor and spiritually leading this flock, I can honestly tell you that there are many hearts who stand before me and talk to me as if 
I don't, they're covering up. And the Lord's just showing me their heart. I'm reading it like a book. I'm going, right, okay. Because they're not confessing it. They're not coming with it. And I'm going, right, okay. Okay, 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 okay. And I'm reading their hearts. And down the line, I'll go to them. And some of you have been to one. I wrote a letter, put it in an envelope. And I says, here's what the Lord told me to tell you. And they read it and they broke before me. How did you know that's my heart? I says, because the Lord told me that's your heart. I wrote it in a letter. The Lord told me to write a letter and I gave it to them. I says, this is what you said. This is what you asked. I'm talking about to the Lord. This is what he told me to tell you. He's, and I wrote out what her, her prayer was. <laughs> Put it in a letter and I drove to their house. Says, the Lord told me to give you that and the answer's in it. Brothers and sisters, if I can at times through the, the, the grace of God and the Spirit of the Lord can read the heart and understand what's going on in the background at times, then what about he who searches every heart? Herein is your trial. Are you going to pass it? Herein is your trial. He says, he's brought you here to humble you. Christians don't want to be humbled, sure we don't. Don't humble me, Lord. Every gospel is, you are great. You are wonderful. You are the best thing ever. Look, you are just so wonderful that even Christ might even let you, you know, take part of his crown. You know, this is all the, the stuff we're hearing today. God wants to humble his people that we may see who we are and by his grace we can carry on and live. He proves us whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or not. Here's the commandment. Are you going to change today? Will we change our hearts? Whatever God has shown you, whatever the Holy Spirit lays in your heart right now, Lord, it's yours. Whatever the Holy Spirit has led in your heart right now, that's it, Lord. I'm doing it. It's yours. I'm giving it over. I'm stopping that. It's yours. I'm changing that. It's yours. God says, and I will prove you today in this humbling experience that I will see whether you will or not. God knows whether you will or not. But you don't. But you don't. Notice what he says, and I finish with this. And he, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna that thou knewest not. Neither did their fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Notice that we are running after bread of men. We chase after the bread of men. Brother, you know something? I'd rather live in a hovel. I'd rather live in a hut at the bottom of the garden than have, whether it's work, or stress of it, or anything else, take me away from Christ. The Lord hears me saying that because I've lived in a hovel. Because I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to work God's Sunday, the Lord's day. I didn't want to, to work that day. Now listen, I know there are people who need to, but now Christians are being forced to because the church has been so weak. 
Notice this. Men are running after man's bread. Here is the unleavened bread for the heart. Here is the unleavened bread for the consecration of the soul. Here is the unleavened bread for the life to be remembered before God. Here is the unleavened bread for you and I. Whatever is in our lives, brothers and sisters, I ask you, I plead with you, and I speak to myself, let us admonish one another. Yes, gently rebuke and push into place and and to exhort one another to say, let's get it right before God. Let's have a clean stage for the singers. Let's have clean pews for, for for the men and women in the church. Let's have clean instruments for the musicians. Let's have a a clean pulpit, whoever will speak at it. Let's have it clean lives and clean hearts that we may be clean and pure before God in our lives because it's there that we'll find that a corporate anointing will come into the house of God. It's there that God will anoint and bless. But where there's sin and where there's hardness and where there's bitterness and where there's stony hearts and where there's forgetfulness and when there's selfishness and whenever there's things that God doesn't want us to be doing and dealing with and dabbling us and when there's no faithfulness, God says, when you're breaking it, he says, you're like a whore before me. This is a call to remembrance. This is a call to remembrance. Herein is the last. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee. Here's his blessing. Neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart. Notice God's always speaking to the heart. The heart, the heart, the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the man will speak. Out of the heart, that's what draws us. That's what will cause us to chase after other things. Cause us to chase after worldliness. It's the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Notice what he says. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. In other words, worship him because you might feel sorely chastened, tried and proved, but thank him. You know why? Because you're not illegitimate. You're a real child of God. You're his See if I'm speaking this morning, don't listen to my voice. See if the Holy Spirit is using this, these lips of clay this morning, listen to what the Holy Spirit will say. See if the Holy Ghost has spoken to the heart this morning, then let the Holy Ghost speak to the heart this morning. But one thing we must take in and remember is this, that you are his child. If God has sent his arrow of his word into the heart, if God has drawn back the bow and it's not an adventure, but it's a purposeful target to hit you and I right where it counts in the heart and it's spoken to your heart, then you can rejoice no matter how stinging, no matter how trying, and no matter how painful it is because you can realize I am a child of God because the Holy Ghost is convicting me this morning, because the Holy Ghost is speaking to me this morning, because the Holy Ghost is here with me this morning. My God loves me. He's your Father. Here's his relation to you as your father.